Okay, folks. So, um, so I'm going to bring the word this morning, and uh, well, you should. We don't have visitors here, so you all know my name. I don't need to say that. Many people ask me, how do you get the name Jacques from something that has those letters connected together? And I have no idea. It's French. Okay, ask my mother. There's a French connection somewhere. I have no idea why my name is spelled like that. And for thirty, is it thirty-two years? Hey. <laughs> 32 years people have been asking me. <laughs> no, listen, I'm a little bit older than 32. Um, uh, so, this morning, I've got a, quite an exciting announcement on a kickoff, and then we're going to get into the word, okay? And that is Men's Connect Group is happening. Come on. On Tuesday, um, we're going to kick off Men's Connect Group. We're going to have it here at church, 6.30 to 7.30. We're giving an hour to it, guys. And it's in person, Okay. I've done enough online stuff to, to last me for quite a while, okay? Uh, so we're going to kick off in person. You're all invited. Um, Josh, is, Josh and I, we're doing it together. We're partnering together for this. And we just feel it's time that the men got together as a dedicated men's connect group. doesn't mean any other connect groups, you know, if you're a man and you go to another one, that's absolutely fine. Um, for example, the Young Adults Connect Group um, with Ntokozo and... Babawa and Amu, they there. Um, that's happening on Wednesday evening. So that's why we, this is going to be Tuesday evening, okay? So, um, but um, you can just rock or you can let us know. Myself or Josh. Josh, wave your handsome hand over there. Okay, there we go. If, you, if you're scared to speak to Mfundisi about coming, you can speak to Josh. He's, he's, he's very approachable. He's got a nice smile, actually, if he takes his mask off. Okay. Okay. So we'll see you there, guys. So this morning, I want to speak to you about Jesus Changes Lives, okay? Now, it's a great title, and we all say amen because we're in church. It's true. But uh, have you stepped back and just asked the question, well, how does Jesus change lives? And that's really what I want to address. But I'm saying that I want to give Jesus the honor. My life has been changed since I devoted my life to following Jesus, and, I, and I'm sure many of you could put up your hands and say, my life has changed. But it's sometimes good to look at, well, how does the Lord do this? Because we want to co-labor with Him. I mean, Connect Group on, on Tuesday night, we want to see guys' lives changed. Amen? On Wednesday night, young adults, we want to see guys' lives changed. We have church. We want to see lives changed. You say, well, why, why, what's the big deal about having a life changed? Folks, the change we're wanting to see is godly lives, people who, according to Scripture, are looking more like Jesus. And you say, well, why? What's the big deal? Have you thought about the converse? What happens if we don't give ourselves to seeing lives being changed? What, do, what does it look like if ungodly people get in places of business, in places of influence, in places of government, what does it look like? What kind of a society will we live in if we allow the ungodly to rule and do business and just take over our world? I want to submit to you, it's not a world we want to stay in. There are a number of people who since the violence in, in July in KZN have said, I'm out of here. And I don't blame them. That is an option. You could go where there are more godly people and nice people, etc. But you know, I'm challenged by this. 
well, I see the need. There are a lot of ungodly people around here. I want to make a difference. How about you? Jesus changes lives. I want to partner with Jesus. I want to make a difference. I want to, and how does it happen? One life at a time. If there's just one man that I can devote my life to and spend time with and see his life changed, then I've made a difference in this country. Amen? And so let me just give you a little story of what does an ungodly life look like? Okay? Now, don't think of, you know, oak with horns and a tail out the back, etc. This week, there was quite a high profile, I thought, court case going on, but nobody seemed to note it except myself. I was asking around, did you notice it? A guy called Daniel. In 2010, um, he was the head of engineering at our railways, PRASA, Public Rail Association of Southern Africa, something like that. In 2010, he was earning 2.8 million rand a year. So you say, great, he's heading up the engineering services. This guy was responsible for awarding a contract to South China Rail for over 1,000 new locomotives to, for our railway network. These 1,000 locomotives, he was the chief engineer. He rewrote, because previously we had bought locomotives from Mitsubishi which is a Japanese company, and they were great and they were working fine. He rewrote the spec to fit the, 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 the locomotives that were made by South China Rail. He redid that so that South China Rail could get the contract. The South African government, PRASA, paid over 3 billion rand for these thousand locomotives. Do you want to know that not one of them are in South Africa, and this is, this is more than 10 years later, not one of them are on our railway lines. Do you know why? Because the spec that he wrote to, to award this contract to South China Rail meant that their, rail, their, their locomotives are too high for our railway lines. Because we have 10,000 bridges all over the country going over railway lines, and those bridges have a spec. There's a certain height they're designed to which comply with the locomotives we've had in this country for more than 100 years. This guy wrote a spec to fit a tender for South China Rail for 1,000 locomotives and paid over 3 billion rand to them for locomotives that don't fit under our bridges on a railway network, so we can't have them. But we've paid the money, and he awarded an increase of, I think, 37% on the original contract. That money came back in massive kickbacks to many Gupta-owned front companies that then siphoned into their whole network. Now I'm saying, guys, <laughs> ungodliness, what does it look like? Uh, how do you feel about us paying? Folks, a billion rand is a thousand million rand. I mean, most of us can't get our head around a million rand. There's over, I don't know if it was 3.2 or 3.4 billion rand paid for locomotives that we never received. But millions of rands of kickbacks came into this country. There are people that are driving fancy cars around this country because of that deal, but we don't have locomotives. Is that godly? And that's just one example. It's a big, scary, hairy example. We don't like it. People don't want to read it. But folks, this is what happens when ungodly people get into places of influence. Do we want that? No. I want a connect group on Tuesday night with men. I want to raise godly men in this nation. I want to make a difference. How about you? 
We had Tokazani in our church. He was the manager, the, the, the municipal manager here of our local municipality. Tokazani told me, he was told by powers above him to award uh, payments to contractors for work done of a million rand. Now it's a local municipality, it's not billion, it's a million rand. He said the one contract was for a million rand. This is how engineers work. I know, I worked as an engineer at the municipality in Paul Elizabeth for 10 years. I will pay you your million rand gladly. Show me the work that you did it according to the contract, according to spec, according to standard. I will pay you your million rand so happily. Tukazani said, I'll pay the contractor for the work. Show me the work. He was told, don't ask about the work. Don't inspect the work. Pay the dude a million rand. He said, I cannot show me the work that he did. They could not. They threatened his life. He came to church with bodyguards because he refused to pay contractors money. They weren't even contractors. They were friends of friends of friends. Folks, Tukazani is a godly man. He refused to do it. Amen? Where are the men, the godly men in our nation? This guy, this executive, this senior engineer of Prasa, his name's Daniel. I figured his surname. He started there. Let me tell you his journey. How did he get to this place of influence? He got a job at Prasa by forging an engineering degree. He, he, you know, nowadays, Photoshop, hey, you can do a lot with Photoshop, okay? He forged an engineering degree. He started in Prasa in, to, uh, in to the year 2000 as a junior technician with a falsified, he only had grade 12. He officially does have grade 12. That's been verified. Why? Because this week he was found guilty on, I think, seven counts of fraud because he forged his engineering degree that got him the job. He then forged an honors degree, which got him further promotion. He then forged a master's degree, which got him a further promotion. He then forged a doctorate from a technical university in Germany, München Technical University. He forged it. Dr. Daniel Burrow, whatever his surname is. This is how it went. Folks, this is what ungodly people do. He then insisted that people call him Dr. Daniel Wadawada. He changed his email address to be Dr. Wadawada. He changed his business card to Dr. Doctor. In court, he was challenged, why were you calling yourself and insisting to be called Doctor when you weren't? You know what his defense in court was? I was just joking. <laughs> I was just joking. Well, you know where he's going to be uh, enjoying his joke for the next couple of years, okay? Sentence is pending. He's been found guilty. Sentencing is happening the next two weeks. So when he became doctor, he was now earning 1.6 million rand uh, per annum at, at, as the senior engineer. But he didn't think that was enough. So you know what he did? He forged a job offer from a German engineering company, a job offer to him. He went to Prasa and said, listen, this company is me so, offering me so much. Will you, will you count the offer? They agreed to give him an increase from 1.6 million to 2.8 million rand a year because of this forged job offer to keep him at Prasa. They didn't want to lose him because he's such a good engineer. He's going to order the perfect trains from China for our network. Folks, now, I say this, and many of you are saying, ah, oh, do we have to hear this? But this is what ungodliness looks like. This is what happens if we have ungodly men and women going into our nation. Now, I wish 
You know, some of you think, well, just give me his address. I personally want to go and put one of those toe clamps on him at night and slowly tighten it over a couple of hours. I know how you feel. I've also thought of doing that, okay? Or you could say, well, I'm going to invest my life in some godly people. I'm going to do and make sure that I am making a difference one life at a time. How does it start? One life at a time. Amen. I want to see Jesus changing lives, and I'm saying I'm not going to be tempted to go put a toe screw on some oak who's going to jail in any case, okay? I'm saying I'm going to invest my life into people one life at a time, okay? So Jesus changes lives, and so we are talking about a revolution here, folks. We are busy. We are busy changing the world. Have you noticed what is in the middle of the word revolution? Who can see that word over there? Okay, read it backwards. Love. love changes the world. Amen. Have you, did you ever notice that in the middle of the word revolution is the word love? And so let's go to the next slide. Oh, you've got the next slide. How did that happen? Sorry. Just, okay, you were with me. Folks, have you seen that little arrow before? <laughs> it's in our logo. Okay, that's in our logo. And that, that, that circle, do you know that that circle is anti-clockwise, not clockwise. Usually when an arrow is drawn it, uh, like that, it's clockwise. It's counterclockwise. It's a love revolution circle. That's literally what it's known of. Known as, it's mean we're going against the grain. We are changing the world. We are not going to forge PhDs and, and business offers to get ahead. We are going to trust God to promote us. And we're going to trust God that God's going to place us where he wants us to be to make a difference. Amen. And so that is, that literally is known as the love revolution tri triangle, uh, circle. So folks, right in our logo is a reminder for all of us that we are here to change lives. Amen. To co-labor with Christ. That's what Jesus does. He changes lives. We mean to work with him to see lives being changed. Amen. So let's just put this up. Um, the next slide. Um, why do we do this? Because Jesus said, the last words Jesus said, known as the Great Commission, he says, now go in my authority and make disciples of nations. Folks, that is revolutionary. If, if, can I tell you, that is why I believe, for example, um, behind the Iron Curtain, if you were a Christian, if you were, if you had a Bible, whatever, you were chucked in jail because they realized that we as Christians are the original revolutionaries. Amen? But it's not a revolution that burns and destroys and tears down and chucks people in jail. It is a revolution that sets people free from all their fears and, and, and apprehensions and anxieties, etc. And cause them to live for something more than themselves. This Daniel guy was, I want to submit to you. Look, I don't know him, never spoke to him. But how he acted was totally selfish, just thinking about self. The revolution that Jesus does is you stop thinking about yourself. You stop thinking about others. You want to invest in others. You want to give towards others. You want to build a business that's going to make a million bucks because you want to invest and so and see that business change lives. You want to create job opportunities that people can be uplifted out of the, 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 the destruction of poverty. Amen? So, there is a big difference between how a godly man and woman views the world, wants to give and invest their life, as opposed to an ungodly man. Amen? 
We are, we are into a love revolution. Discipling all nations, by the way, that's where our, our, the, the, the network of churches, family churches we're part of is called Every Nation. That's where it comes from. Every nation. We want to see followers of Jesus. We want to see people's lives being changed. We want to see godliness arise in our nation. Amen? And by the way, while we're talking about PhDs, a wonky hasn't been at church for a while. He is furiously trying to write his submission and get his final submission in for his PhD. This week he's trusting. Lord, we pray favor on a wonky, Father. May he write like he's never written before, Father. May he get all those ideas down. May he get it, get it completed, Father, and submitted this week as he's desired in Jesus' name. And we also want to pray for One. One is, uh, she's had to go back to Botswana to sort out a visa, but she's also busy with a final submission of a PhD. A godly way. Amen? Not, you know, um, uh, forged on, on uh, whatever. You know, this is real PhD stories. Amen? So Lord, we pray for Oni as well, Father. Wisdom and courage and conviction and insight and perseverance, Lord, to get it done, to submit it in Jesus' name. We call forth the PhDs, the undergraduate degrees, Lord, the masters, the honors, Father. We speak it, we speak it, Lord, to our people in Jesus' name. We pray for open doors, wisdom, courage, grace. To bring it forth. Lord, that they may go into places of influence. They may be godly influences in those places in Jesus' name. I, I think one of the things we can learn from the story of Daniel is that academic qualifications can open doors for you. Why was he so furiously forging these academic qualifications? Because he knew that that would open doors for him. Amen? And, you know, not, it's not, not everybody's called to academia. I recognize that. And I must say, when I finished my, my degree, I felt the grace is finished. I got a degree in engineering, amen? And I haven't got another degree and at this stage. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I don't know if I have the grace. But some of you have the grace to go that route. And I want to encourage you, go for it. It opens doors for you to be a godly influence in, in places. Amen. So, let's go to the next slide. So, I want to talk to you about four keys to godly change. How does Jesus change lives? If we are saying we want to see godly people heading up engineering at Prasa, what do we need to do? If we get with these people, how do we work with them? How, if we get time with them, if we get them into a men's connect, what are we going to do with them there? Okay, and it's not rocket science. Um, Jesus makes things so simple. Firstly, the Word of God. We need to get the Word of God into people. We've been doing this whole series on Abide, the power and beauty of God's Word. We need to get the Word of God into people. Amen? And so I trust our connect groups are a place, for example, where we're spending time in the Word of God. Amen? Um, at church, we preach the Word of God. And I'm going to be sharing from Matthew now, shortly. Then, the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Folks, your Bible is a closed book without the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Holy Spirit opens it and locks it. And what the Holy Spirit, He takes that word and He, make, he causes incarnation to happen. That becomes a part of you. And suddenly, He changes. The Holy Spirit changes your desires. And suddenly, you read Scripture. You read Jesus wanting to do the Father's will. And suddenly, you're saying, God, I want to do your will with my life. Instead of, I just want to do the X, Y, and Z. Holy Spirit changes us. Amen? In so many ways. And then I want to submit to you godly relationships. 
God uses people to bring the word into our lives. God uses people under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to cause the word of God to come alive in our lives. We need godly relationships, godly people in our lives to see change come. And so I trust that you are in spaces and places where you have godly influence in your life. And the fourth one is coming later, okay? I was like, if I tell you now, then you say, oh, I got it. Then you're going to leave early and say the chicken's burning in the, in the oven at home, okay? So I want you to stay. You've got to check the last one, okay? It's those first three. But I want to, just before, don't go there yet, Lysander. We're going to look at the story of the parable of the sower. And before we read it, I want to just highlight these things. The parable of the sower, Jesus is talking. And a parable, I, I read this definition about a parable. A parable is... An earthly story with heavenly truth. Don't you like that definition? It's an earthly story with heavenly truth. And Jesus often taught in parables, and there was such natural stories. Here he's talking about a farmer sowing seed and the different places the seed falls. It's so simple. You know what I love about it? 2,000 years ago, people could understand it. And 2,000 years later, we still totally get this. We all around us see plants growing, and we can get it. I'd love, it's such an earthly story, but it's so full of heavenly truth. So we're going to look at it because it's talking about sowing the word. We're looking at the word. I want to submit to you and that you can sow the word into the ground. You can sow a seed into the ground. But unless there's rain, and rain is, is equivalent of the Holy Spirit, unless there's rain, that seed will stay in that ground. You know, in the desert areas, deserts, etc., seeds can stay in the ground for literally years and years until there's rain that comes, boom, and it comes, and it, and it dies. So, Holy Spirit and Godly relationships. There was a sower. She just didn't say, you know, the seed falls miraculously from heaven, you know, or he speaks about a farmer, some translations say. You and I are farmers. You and I are sowers. Amen? That's the, and, and we sow the seed. And this, well, let's read the story and then I'll unpack it a bit more. So on the next slide. So what I love about the story of the sower is Jesus tells a story. And then a couple of verses later, he unpacks. He tells his disciples what it means. Not all the parables Jesus did that uh, where he actually unpacks it. So let's just read it. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil but when the sun rose they were scorched and since they had no root they withered away i saw this just like in the last two weeks we have uh, on our house we have some gutters and I noticed when we had some, quite a lot of rain a week or two ago, there was this weed that just grew in my gutter. And it's right opposite. It's actually on the, on the outbuilding gutter opposite the kitchen. <laughs> opposite the kitchen. And, you know, when you're washing dishes. And I just suddenly saw this weed. It had grown like this high. And it was bothering me. And I was trying to reach it and pull it out. And it had one like I, I couldn't pull it out. I was so frustrated. I need a ladder or something to get up there. And anyway, so this weed was bothering me because I was trying to get it out there and I couldn't. Two days later, we had some heat. I don't know if you noticed this week, we had some heat. I looked at that weed. It was dry as anything. It dropped all its leaves. It was pelile. It was finito. And I was like, 
I didn't even get to pull you out. I was still going to get you, my man. I was going to take you out. And you just died on me before I could have revenge on this weed. Funny story. But listen, what happened over there? In the gutter, there's dust and there's some leaves, etc. There's a little bit of stuff there that this weed's roots could germinate and it could grow. But like one or two days of sun, the gutter dries out and this weed is like, finished. Why? It didn't have enough soil. Its roots weren't developed enough. I'm just trying to illustrate this, this thing over here. I literally saw that. I mean, two days of heat and the weed's dead. I was like, you're a pathetic weed. Well, poor oak, okay? He didn't have much soil. Okay, I'm just illustrating this truth. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced a harvest, some hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And of course, we all want that huge harvest. But I've just highlighted there the four different kinds of soils. There's the soil along the path, the hard soil. And why is that soil hard by the path? Because everybody's walking over there. So that soil is compacted. And so the seed can't go into the soil. Okay? Easy to understand. Rocky ground, okay, where there's, like the weed in the gutter, there wasn't much soil. There's a little thin little bit of soil on top and rocks underneath, so there isn't enough soil for the roots to go in. And then among the thorns, some translations say among weeds, and my goodness, in Maritzburg, I didn't know weeds could grow so fast until we moved to Maritzburg. Literally, when you sleep at night, you can hear the weeds growing. Okay. I mean, and, and we see this often. I, I particularly see it in my grass sometimes where um, the weeds will literally grow and, and the grass dies. And then you've got to get some poison and spray the weeds so that the grass can keep going. And then, of course, good soil. That's the fourth kind of soil. Produces a harvest, hundredfold, sixty and some thirty. Now, I've got a nice picture for you of what a harvest looks like. How do you like this picture? Whew. I look at that, I'm hungry. I'm like, forget the roast chicken, okay? Give me some of that, okay? Ooh, that really does look nice. But I just wanted to highlight, when we talk about godly fruit, you know, I shared, for example, the, the story of Awonke, sorry, Tokazani. We refuse to pay a contractor, folks. That is godly fruit. But in the Bible, in Galatians 5, verse 22, 23, it's, it highlights godly fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the nine fruit of the Spirit. I want to submit to you, it's an attitude, and every one of them has actions. Every one of them has hands and feet. I want to submit to you, what does kindness look like? Kindness means sometimes just saying thank you to somebody who does something for you every day. They don't necessarily have to. Your mom, your dad, your brother, some loved one. Maybe they bring you a cup of tea every morning. Say thank you. Kindness has hands and feet. Amen. And you could say that of every single one of these fruit of the Spirit. Amen. I'm, I'm not wanting to minister on fruit of the Spirit. We want to look at the parable of the sower. So Jesus carries on in verse 19 to 23, telling his disciples what this means. And let's go there. Verse 19. When anyone hears the word. So Jesus is saying that the seed he's talking about here is the word of the kingdom. 
and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path of the hard soil. I've underlined there, does not understand it. Folks, you know, I'm sharing the word. If you don't understand what I'm saying, and, and I, I will often make sure that what I'm communicating is not too technical or theological that people can't understand. Because I know if I share great theological concepts here and you don't understand it, it's not going to benefit you. The end result is actually you're going to have a hard heart because you would have heard something, not understood it, and the enemy will literally steal whatever I said away from you. So why try and impress you with my brilliant intellect and theological studies? Does not understand it. Just quickly go to the next slide, um, Lucinda. We looked at, and I shared this, when we read the word, we need to rubo it. Remember rubo? I highlighted it. I didn't unpack it. I just mentioned it. What does rubo stand? We need to read the word. The next one is important. Understand the word. And folks, I want to submit to you, one of the, when I became a new Christian, I recommitted my heart to the Lord at the end of my first year at university. There was a lot I didn't understand about the Bible. But I committed to going to church. I committed to a cell group. We now call them connect groups. I can't tell you how much understanding came because I was with godly people who were actually living the word. Who, people who were discussing the Bible. People, and and I, I can't measure how much I learned from them. You know, there's learning you will get from spending with a godly person that, that it's, you, 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 you can't quantify, you can't explain it, but you're seeing it, you're seeing what a godly life looks like. And I want to say, we need to have those spaces. Understanding, we've been speaking as a staff meeting. Nowadays, it is, there are so many tools available to you to understand the Word of God. For example, download a Bible app on your phone. The YouVersion Bible app, I recommend it, like half a million people have downloaded it. It's, it's amazing. You have access to, I don't know how many Bible translations. If, the, if I read a verse and I'm not quite understanding it, I will very often just click to another translation and say, how does this translation? You have it on your phone. Just click on another translation and look. Or maybe you want a mother tongue translation. They're all there. If Isis Zulu is your mother tongue and you're not getting this English foreign Queen's language thing, Get a Zulu translation. And, and, and it is so, you know, it's nearly hard to, to not understand a lot of Scripture because there are so many resources available. One of the tools I often use, I have it on my phone, is just an English dictionary. I most often read an English Bible. But there are very often words I come across and like, I don't often use that word. What does that mean? And I will just go to a normal English dictionary and I'll look. And boom, I'm like, shoo. That was powerful, that little verse, that one word in that, word in that verse. It's so easy to just pause and just to dig and say, I'm not happy with not understanding that. I actually do want to understand that. And folks, this is the one type of soil that Jesus was talking about. So let's flip back to the scripture. Oh, let's, let's finish these. So it's read, understand, believe, and obey. That's rubo, okay? That's, that's how we approach the word of God, okay? But let's read the scripture. So we're going back to verse, um, verse 21, verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, 
This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. That's the weed in the gutter. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. Some Bibles say a short while. But when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, when tough times come, immediately he falls away. When he gets a bit hot, that weed, when two days of heat, finished. He has no root. I've underlined he has no root over here. Folks, what are your roots like into God? What is your personal connection like with God? I'm delighted that you're at church. I'm delighted that you are feeding off the word that we are bringing you this morning and we bring every single Sunday. I'm totally delighted. It's part of God's plan for all of us. Amen? Christians, go to church, okay? Ducks, okay, swim in dams. Christians, go to church. Dogs bark, Christians, go to church. Cats meow, Christians, go to church. Okay, you kind of get the trend there, okay? You notice the trend. But this is the deal. Has no root. There are many Christians. They, they don't have a personal connection and relationship with the Lord. So when tough come, times come, you know, whatever. You know, and of course it's really usually so nice. But this morning she didn't greet me at church. You know, oh my goodness, you know. She doesn't like me, you know, anymore. She used to like me. She greeted me every morning before. And now you don't want to come to church anymore. But surely church is more than just getting a greeting from a nice lady. Surely you have a deeper relationship with God. I mean, I was speaking to somebody recently, and he was saying he really struggles to worship in church because he's often looking at how other people are worshiping, and he feels how they are worshiping is insincere, and that causes him to stop being able to worship. You know, whatever, they're lifting their hand or whatever. He's like, no, that guy's not real. This is, you know, these Christians, they're fake. So therefore, he can't worship. I'm like, but, but why don't you just connect with God? Why don't you just close your eyes during worship and just focus on the Lord? What is your root like? We did a series two years ago called Rooted. Folks, I want to tell you, one of the, my missions in Connect Group is we want to get people rooted in God. You need to have your own history with God. You need to be, have roots going deep down into the Word of God. There are some biblical truths that you need to get down in your life, that you need to sort out. Who is Jesus in your life? He is Lord. He is Master. We are devoted to Jesus. Are you devoted to Him? If you don't get that one, if you don't sort out your allegiance to Jesus, folks, you don't have a deep root. Amen? There's certain things we've got to sort out in our life. Okay? Verse 21, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a short while, some translation. And when tribulation or persecution arise on account of the word, immediately falls away. Let's go on. We've done Rubo. We're going uh, what Jesus said in verse 22. Next slide. For as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Okay, this is the, the third kind. The cares of the world. The other things that prevent the word. It's the weeds thing. Okay, weeds in the grass. The grass can't grow because there are too many weeds. Okay, we've got to tend the garden of our heart. I think of this so often. I mean, some of you know me. I mean, this morning even, at the prayer meeting before the service over here, you know, on our prayer square over here where the paving blocks are. 
If I see a weed growing between those pavers, I, I cannot but reach down and uh, quickly just pick it up, okay? How good are you at pulling weeds out of your heart? How good are you at saying, this thing is competing with deep convictions I have about God. I need to deal with this thing. Verse 23, for what was sown on good soil, okay, and everybody wants the good soil thing. This is the one who hears the word. He understands it. I've underlined understands it, folks. Sometimes it requires work to dig in Scripture to understand what the Word says. Don't give up on saying, Lord, I need to know what this means. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, another sixty, and in another thirty. I've got a little table and I've summarized the parable of the sower in this way on the next slide. So I've just listed them, one to four, and we have the type of soil along the path, rocky ground among the thorns and the good soil. Okay, those are the actual words in Scripture. And then I've summarized it this way. On the column on your right, we have the hard heart, the shallow heart, the crowded heart, and the fruitful heart. Now, it's a no-brainer. We all want to put up a hand and say, I'm a fruitful heart, pastor. You know, and there's those choices of 30, 60, or 100. Actually, I'm a hundredfold fruit, fruity Christian, okay? We all want that. You know, the scary thing is, I've been walking with the Lord for many years now, that you can have a season where there's fruit in your life, but you can go through some stuff, and suddenly you're back at number one. You've got a hard heart. You know how Jesus described... These are, folks, this is, these are, the first three, they are, they are conditions of our heart that prevent us from receiving the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. The hard heart Jesus described as soil or seed that falls on a path. Now, what is a path? A path is a place that people walk. Folks, I want to submit to you, <laughs> in my experience, I think being walked over by people is sometimes one of the hardest things we have to go through in life. You can be going through a beautiful, fruitful season in your life, and then kabam, somebody walks all over you. What does it look like? They say something nasty to you. They do something nasty to you. And fill in the dots. There are some people that just are either wicked or very self-centered, and they hurt people. Folks, I have been amazed. I'll just tell you, I've been serving the Lord for many years. I've been amazed at how easily you can go back to having a hard heart. And suddenly you close to God and the Word of God because this Christian did this to me. And therefore, blah, 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 blah. Church, Christian, God, Bible, Word. It's, I'm out of here. We, tending our heart... Folks, you know, Jesus shared this, this amazing scripture in Revelation uh, 3 verse 12. He said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. And the door, Jesus speaking about the door of your heart. Folks, I find it incredible. Jesus, Lord, creator of the universe. He humbly stands at the door of your heart. If you've got a hard heart, if you've got a shallow heart, if you've got a crowded heart, with all kinds of other stuff in there that you can't receive him. He'll say, I'll wait for you. You can receive my word. 
that I can come in and I can change your life. Famous painter did a painting of that scene of Jesus standing at a door, and uh, his friend was looking and said, That door's not right. And uh, he said, What's wrong? He said, There's no handle. And the painter said, I intentionally did not put a handle on this door because the, do- the handle's on the inside. You need to open the door. There's no, there's no, Jesus, he's got the power to smash the door and come in, and, but he doesn't. He humbly stands and said, Will you open the door of your heart? Every one of us can have beautiful seasons of fruitful art, but then something happens. Whatever. You're, you're, you're at work, you lose a major contract. Suddenly there are major financial challenges at work. And suddenly financial worries are crowding your, 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 your inner world, and you just can't receive the Word of God. You know, and Tukwosa gets up and reads Psalm 23 about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Folks, that promise of I shall not want is an amazing promise of God's provision. You just can't receive that word because you're stressing about that major contract that you heard your your, your business lost and what's it going to mean and am I going to get retrenched. Suddenly, you were beautifully serving God fruitfully and now you have a crowded heart. There's other stuff in there that are freaking you out and you can't receive the word of God that promises Exactly the opposite. And so these things, and and I've said, a shallow heart, folks, it's so easy, it's so easy to go back from a fruitful heart to any of those others. Tending a heart is something we need to do regularly. You know, I mean, I'm just amazed. I mean, over here, even at church, you know, when we got this place at the back behind our fence, it was just bush. And we have been for the last couple of years, doing major clearing. There was just bush behind that wall over there. I'm astonished. I was particularly astonished. We had, we had our last service end, end of 2020, sort of mid-January. And then, remember, end of December was lockdown. We had lockdown until mid-February. So we weren't... We were, I didn't go and look other side there from mid-December till mid-February when we opened our service, when we could open services again. The weeds behind there were literally taller than me. I was astounded in two months. And literally, just that November, we'd actually had a fire through. We had cleared it. There was nothing. It was so beautiful. I come back two months later, and the weeds are this high. Folks, you'll be surprised how quickly weeds can grow in the natural. And Jesus is using this as 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 a comparison with our heart. Don't think because you've been in a season of fruitfulness that you don't have the capacity to grow monstrous weeds in your heart. Folks, how do we do this? So what does good heart soil look like? What are, how do we, what's our attitude to get good heart soil? And this is it. Hunger and humility. Two words starting with an H. And I just want to highlight... <laughs> I was thinking of a field, and then I thought of two H's on a field. I went to go Google it, and look what I found. A field, the soil of a heart, with two H's for hunger and humility, and wow! You know, have you guys seen a field like that before? Amen? (laughs) I'm kidding, okay? It's a rugby field, and I just thought, well, you guys probably didn't see that coming, but... (laughs) I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm visual. I'm visual in many ways. This, this helps me, folks. Folks, the kind of field, the 
kind of field that, that is able to continually be a fruitful field is where our hearts are continually hungry for God's word and we remain humble. Those two characteristics are just so... You know, I, I, I said to you guys when we were fasting, actually, I remember saying this in the service, I said, I can't afford not to remain hungry for God and His Word. I'll fast regularly. If I, if, if I get to the place where I'm not hungry, I get worried. Because that's mean. Weeds could grow up. My heart could get hard. Uh, my heart could get rocky. You know, my, I become shallow. I'm not connecting with God. I'm just shallow. I'm just doing these surface prayers and, you know, etc. We need hunger and humility. And I said that we, we're really looking at what are these four keys for godly change. The Word of God... The Holy Spirit, godly relationships, and the last point is godly commitments. Godly commitments. And, and Jenna, I've been chatting about this. This is something that's just really been on my heart. You know, what is a godly commitment? Folks, I made a commitment to my wife on the 19th of December, 1993. I said I do. But you know, godly commitment means that every day, in the last 28 years, my wife always corrects me, I keep saying I do. I keep saying I do. I keep saying you're the one. I keep saying I choose you like I did that day. That's godly commitment. You are following through on a yes that you made, that you meant with all your heart at one point in your life, but you follow through. You keep saying that yes. I want to tell you, I was thinking about how I grew so much when I recommitted my heart to the Lord in my first year varsity. One of my things was, i got to get into church. I was not going to church before that. I knew if I needed, and I committed to a church, and I started going to His people, and I kept going. And I've been coming to His people church, Jen and I, for, is it 34 years now? 34 years, we've been saying, yes, we committed to this. Amen? My first year there uh, at Varsity, I committed to a cell group, connect group. And I was there every week. I was faithful to my commitments. I read this recently. Roland Baker, who is Heidi Baker's husband, they have an amazing ministry in Mozambique, um, just reaching so many people. He posted this recently. He said, a friend sent this to me a few days ago sat with Jesus this morning, he showed me that although there may be a moment in time when we gave our lives to him, that's not what pleases him most. What pleases him above all else is a heart that says yes to him daily. Folks, this is a godly commitment. Yes to intimacy with him rather than a love for the things of this world, the crowded heart. Yes, to fixing our gaze onto Him when a thousand other things clamor for our attention. The next slide. Yes, to a life laid down in humility, rather than one seeking a platform, recognition, and the praises of others. Yes, to seeking treasures in heaven, rather than investing in the pleasures of this life. Saying yes to Jesus daily is the key to unlocking a yearning that leads to breathtaking freedom, romance, passion, 
and most importantly of all, brings joy to the one who is the soul's ultimate desire. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Godly commitments. He's saying your yes that you mean every day, every week, every month, every year. I believe it's a key to godly change. We just put the last slide in. We need the Word of God. We need the Holy Spirit. We need godly relationships. And we need godly commitments. A yes that keeps on saying yes. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I particularly want to pray for the yeses, Lord, that we have said, Lord. But they need to be daily yeses, Lord. Godly commitments, Lord. God, I pray for every single one of us, me included, Lord. Lord, that I would just be faithful to my yes, however big or small it is, Lord. As you say in Scripture, let your yes be yes and your no be no, Lord. God, I pray that faithfulness would be a hallmark of our lives, Lord. And God, that results in phenomenal change, Lord. Keeping on, keeping on is God's stuff because there's so many people that just give up. And so, God, I pray for the grace for us to follow through on the yeses that we've made. For the married couples that they would keep saying, I do, I choose you every day. For those who've committed to a course of study, that they would keep saying yes to their studies every day until they've completed, until they've handed in their PhD thesis document. We pray for every single person who's made commitments, whether it is in, in, in our church, whether it is to godly relationships. And God, I pray that if, if people have made ungodly commitments, ungodly relationships, give them the grace to say no, Lord. There are places we need to say no and say enough is enough. I've made a mistake and cut the cords, Lord. But God, strengthen the godly cords. Strengthen the godly commitments, the godly relationships, Lord. We want to see your kingdom come in South Africa, Lord. We are committed to seeing heaven come down. We are committed to discipling South Africa one person at a time, Lord. We say, yes, Jesus. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.hispeoplepmb.co.za And for more of our messages, visit our YouTube and SoundCloud channels as well as other podcast platforms. If you would like to contact us, please email us at hispeoplepmb at gmail.com or send a message to 061-452-0877. To join us for in-person services, visit us at 154 Burkett Road, Scottsville, Peter Maritzburg. We hope to see you soon. God bless you.